Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Cowie, I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottcowie.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week on the podcast, John Gom, guitar player extraordinaire for the sequel. He's been on before, he was great, you guys demanded he come back on and here he is coming up on the podcast for you. John's got a tour coming up and I'm going to read you all the tour dates at the end of the interview. Isn't that exciting? Big thanks to everybody who reacted to me on social media this week when um, I shared a post on Facebook, which I'm going to quickly read about just now. Uh, it's on change.org, the one that says stop testing animals uh, so you can sell in China. And we don't want that, ladies and gentlemen, because animals are cool. And of course, I'm referring to Facebook, so add me on Facebook, Scott Cowie, if you don't already have me. My picture is that of an owl, Okay. And I promised that I would read out everybody's name that signed the thing, so I'm going to do that right now. Big Jez Thompson, guitar player extraordinaire, thank you very much, sir. Tanya Callahan, Matt Benson, Ashley Logan, Chris Thompson, Mike Smith, John Presley, Emma Joe, Irvin, Emma Joe. Thank you very much because you were spreading the love about it. Jordan, you did it as well. Tony Etherson, Joe Irvin, Ern O'Neill, Jerry Fallis, uh, Callum Ingram, Tony Etherson, uh, a bunch of different people. Kirsty Etherson, you get involved too. I'm just scrolling down the Facebook and doing this, guys, as we speak. Uh, a bunch of different people. Thank you very much for getting involved. And I'm going to read out some more names next week because we've got another petition to sign uh, for the animals. Okay, we're getting very animal friendly over here. And a big thank you to my pal Tanya O'Callaghan for sending me that link. It was her idea that we spread the word about this. So animals are cool and we don't want to test on them. So please don't. Do what you can. Spread the word. And for now, enjoy the podcast we've We've got John Gom. It's going to be a good one. Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast. Uh, and I'm glad to announce, actually, that I'm pleased to live in a world where Tommy Lee is a fan of John Gom. Who would have thought this? Unbelievable. So, John, um, how did this come about? The man, the myth, the legend, uh, Motley Crue's drummer, he tweeted about you. When was that? Um, I don't know. I don't remember. But he tweets... I don't know. I, he, I got an email from him yesterday. There oh, go. really? Yeah. Go. So, I don't know. He's just really seems like a positive and supportive guy. So, uh, I've not met him, though. But, and we've not exchanged, you know, very detailed. We've not had any long, deep and meaningful conversations or anything like that. But, yeah, he's um, yeah, he's really great. Uh, so, uh, so, the last time that I spoke to you, you were gearing up to play Download. Um, which we were chatting about. So, how was that gig? What was the reaction like at Download? Because I was, I was really intrigued to see how it would go down. Yeah, it was amazing. It was one of my favourite gigs I've ever had. In fact, my my monkey, uh, well, he's, he's called Fuckface. I'm not allowed. I'm sure if you're allowed to say that, it's Fuckface, my monkey, which goes on. He goes on tour with me. He's got this badge, this Blade Runner badge, and then he, he he's wearing my Download wristband. Nice. So like that goes everywhere with me. So I, I really loved it. If I felt really. 
uh, like I shouldn't be there in some ways. It was like backstage, it felt weird. It didn't feel like my normal festival experience. Normally I play at festivals that are either folk or acoustic or just general kind of indie festivals. And backstage, it's really people who gig a lot. And I don't know, it's more... It's more relaxed backstage. Download is quite intense backstage. There's lots of media and lots of people in character. So lots of metal people who are still in character backstage and uh, and being stars, you know, even though they're backstage. It's not, normally I'd be sitting backstage next to somebody who could be quite famous, but just like, oh, can you pass me the ketchup or whatever? You know, it's not a big deal. But this was a bit more... Uh, like people were rock stars but then when you actually get out into the festival site itself um, with the actual punters then it's a completely the opposite so normally at music festivals they might be wanting to listen to the right bands or want to be seen listening to the right bands or something like that and uh, that works quite well for me because I'm quite uh, quite I don't know have a hipster thing a little bit but um a download it's not like that at all people just do not give a shit what anybody thinks of them and uh, they just want to enjoy music and have a good time and it's just a really fun experience yeah so i loved it i absolutely loved it and then i posted something about how great metal people are on facebook and about how the stereotype that you see in like daily express or something where some american kid goes on a gun rampage around the school and uh, some horrific massacre and then he was into death metal that explains it you know or he was into heavy metal as if that somehow explains stuff and uh, I posted about what bullshit that is and how metal people are nice and warm and friendly and cuddly and that went kind of viral <laughs> which was quite funny it was like all the metal websites and magazines were posting it and Stuff. No, it's it's great because what what interests me as well that um you've stated in the past that metal was a little bit of an influence in, in your playing too. Um, yeah, sure. so what kind of what kind of metal bands were you do you like or were you listening to back then? So metal that when I was a kid, I had uh, an Iron Maiden mascot poster of him on my wall, and I really liked Iron Maiden. Um, and I also liked a lot of stuff that wouldn't really be called metal now, like like uh, Van Halen and Steve Vai and stuff like that would be more called rock now. But back then it was called heavy metal, even that, that kind of stuff. Um, I lost the metal thing. It left me behind Metallica and the biggest metal because I find them utterly boring and humorless and they're just so serious. It's like this, this music is important. You know, everything has that kind of stairway to heaven kind of, you know, pomposity to it. And also, Kirk Hammett is the most overrated guitarist who's ever existed. So I just cannot bear his playing. Sorry, Metallica fans. Uh, so, yeah, um, it left me there. And, I, and then I kind of lost interest in it. And then over recent years, um, I've gone back into it and been listening to stuff. It's funny, it should be the other way around. Like, um, like Lamb of God are fans of mine. And I met them all when they came on tour. I'm not going to listen to them before the gig because that's quite a nice thing to go to a gig and never have you've never heard the band. So you experience it that way. And I absolutely loved it. And I listen to Lamb of God all the time. I struggle to find stuff that I like as much as that. Um, 
So it's because their stuff is really groove based. It's like it's almost funk with influence. I don't know how heavily funk influenced they are, but it has that kind of edgy to it, which I, I really love. And it's really rhythmically complex music. And yeah, so I'm starting to get back into metal a little bit now. Yeah. Love it. Now, I, I, it's interesting you say that about the, the Metallica, uh, Kirk Hammett thing. I'm interested because I, I, I like watching your interviews and, and hearing everything you've got to say because you are so, so honest. It gets me in a lot of trouble sometimes. There you go. <laughs> no, but what, what's interesting is you, you say that about Kirk Hammett. I've got no doubt that you, because to me, I, I watch him playing and, I, and, and not being anywhere near as knowledgeable as you on the guitar. I, I, I think Kirk Hammett's brilliant. What, why do you think he's he's overrated? And I'm not I'm okay, not. Um... We can go in. I can go into great detail, but I'll give you a, a little story. When I was a guitar, I used to teach guitar. I remember a kid brought me a Kirk Hammett guitar solo from a guitar magazine. You know the guitar tab, and uh, I think it was a live recording or something. And I looked at the guitar. Guitar actually, I don't remember what the song was. I wish I could, but I looked at the tab and I was trying to read it and play it. You know. And uh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't figure out what I couldn't get inside his head. Like, what's like this really fast, really high, but quite random series of notes. It was really chromatic, which means that the notes don't really fit a particular scale or a particular key. They're just a, a load of strange notes. And I thought that this is crazy. It's pretty much impossible to play. This guy is either a genius or there's something funny going on. So I said, look, bring, bring the CD next week so I can listen to it. He, he brought me the CD next week. And, and what I was trying to play, and it was like, you know, it was like that or something, but really, really fast. I realized what he was doing was right. doing this with his right hand as fast as he could, and then just waggling his fingers of his left hand, literally like he couldn't play guitar. I have nothing against guitar players being technically rubbish at all. And I don't really even think that think that exists. And I love loads of different styles of music which do not involve people playing technical guitar. So I don't want to give people the wrong impression. The thing with Kirk Hammett is he very much flatters to deceive. So he will play really, really fast and really, really impressive stuff. But actually, it's just stuff it just sounds terrible it's got i understand why people like him he's got really great kind of aggressive attitude but honestly he's just a disaster to me he can't play in time he's just i don't understand how he's even in that band to be honest see do you know what john see now that you've said that see having watched them for years it's just occurred to me when you explained that that what you're saying is true you know i've just i've been watching this guy for years and thinking yeah what a guitar player and when you just explained that thing that's true so there you go. This is this is a this is a learning experience. I'm really sorry. If, if you if you want to replace it with something else, you know, then um, one of my favourite bands is Kings X. Did you ever listen to them? No, no, no. Kings X. Okay, so listen to Kings X. Their album Dogman. That's their heaviest album, and it's like Metallica except the opposite. So their songwriting is quite kind of Beatles inspired, Sgt. Peppery stuff. It is metal that album. And the guitar playing is just sublime. There's no kind of twiddly showing off stuff. I mean, a little bit, but mostly, mostly it's kind of Hendrix-inspired blues, but it's still very much metal. So, you know, instead of listening to Metallica, listen to King's X, who are really about 0.001% as famous. Trust me, trust me. Right, right. I do, I do. I really, really do. Now, what, <laughs> what I've, I've heard... John, through the, through the grapevine, I'm really excited about this because I've heard that you're a fan of, of, of Booker White, right? And I think, oh, I love Booker White, yeah. Now, well, yeah. 
so did that it's all the tapping and the guitar did that was that in, influenced a little bit for him yeah i don't i don't know where i've got a slide because you can't i can't really demonstrate any book of white stuff without a slide i think it's in my guitar case which is let me just see i might have one well i've got a, i've got a glass one this could this i've got a glass one so this could end in bloodshed but i'll, I'll try not. <laughs> uh, this is just like a my spare old slide but yeah, so Booker White, if you see, I choose um, Aberdeen, Mississippi Blues, is, is, is a song where he just does drums on the guitar. So he'll be White playing uh, that kind of a riff, and he'll go. So he's got this. and he'll do little drum solos as well as part of the riff and you know when i first heard somebody do that it wasn't him it wasn't him actually it was um bob brosman who's a new york uh based guitarist who's no longer with us but he um he used to he used to tour and do like 300 gigs a year all over the world so he played my year i went to see him and then you know he told me oh it's book a white technique and now you know, I get to see Bucker White on YouTube. I've I've never seen video video footage of him before. Somebody put it on YouTube, and yeah, so that to me that's where the drums on the guitar thing started. But other people have got it from different places, you know. So, wow, right, that's really really cool. That you're a fan of him, and I noticed as well because yeah. I've watched him on YouTube as well, and it's 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 obviously recently went up, which is really 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 cool indeed. Um, so as far as guitar influences go, um. Is there, who else would you say was, is there, is there, if you get your favourite top three of, of people that have really influenced you, is it a bunch of different people? Who would you, would you name as, as some of the biggest influences? It's My biggest influence as a guitarist is probably Michael Hedges, is the ultimate. Um, Andy McKee has a famous video with about 50 million views of him doing like guitar, tapping on acoustic guitar. He's a really wonderful guitarist and I've known him for a long time. And we're both kind of disciples of Michael Hedges. But if I ask... Um, if people ask me to name to, like a short list of interview of influences guitar wise, um, there's two guys that are really, really important. And one is Nick Harper, who's a singer songwriter and, uh, just complete genius. Who's a really massive influence on me as a guitarist and musician. And he does some finger picking and flat picking stuff. He also does the stuff with the banjo tuners that I'm quite well known for. He has the halfway through the song. And then the other one is Preston Reed, who is like a tapping, super technical, uh, you know, really different approach, plays with his left hand upside down like I do sometimes and um, all the slapping and tapping stuff. So basically, if you mix Preston Reed slapping and tapping and Nick Harper's kind of singer songwriter uh, virtuous thing and put all that together, then you'd pretty much have me, I think. <laughs> Great stuff. Now, not only you're you're well known for for the tapping and everything so innovative on the guitar, but you're also known for being incredibly independent. You're not with a major label, and you've stated, uh, which is really really cool, that you would you would never sign for a major. Um, what's the, what's the thinking behind that, John? Well, uh, I think I think the feeling's pretty mutual and has been for quite a long time. So I think uh, it's uh, I think I mean I have been offered the odd crap deal in the distant past but i've never been offered a good deal um and they do exist but never that they're never that good but it used to be that i was really worried about 
happening to me, which I've seen happen to friends over a very long time. So I've known musicians since I was a kid. And, you know, one of the best musicians in my home, hometown, this great songwriter, and he got uh, a really, you know, good record deal where they gave him a huge advance. And he built a studio in his house and made a fantastic album. And then the record company basically decided not to release it. And over years and years, they decided not to release it. But then they own it. They own it not just, you know, that recording. They owned those songs, any songs that he'd written while he was signed, you know, they owned. And they owned them forever. He'd have to have bought them back from him, which he couldn't afford to do. So, And it's an amazing album. And I've heard that album since I was about 15 years old. It was the first time I heard it. And nobody will ever hear it. He can't even release it. Like, he couldn't even just sell it out of a, a case at gigs. Right. He couldn't even do that. He'd be, he'd be uh, breaking the contract. And that's happened in various different ways to people that I've known through my life. And I've never wanted it to happen to me. And then it, I've been very fortunate, although I guess it, I could have been a bit more fortunate. It could have happened when I was a bit younger. But um, just kind of the world has come around to meet my expectations of what it should be like. So it, it's really lucky that I'm able to make a living promoting myself online and using lots of techniques that record labels use. I mean, record companies are desperate, desperate for bands to do their own social media. And if you ever talk to bands that are signed, if they don't like doing Facebook and they're not really into it, then they'll be telling you, oh, God, my A&R man's been on at me again today. It's like, why won't you put something on Facebook and put something interesting, put something good, you know? And I, I live for doing that stuff. I absolutely, you know, I'm pretty much addicted to Facebook, as many people are. And I'd be using it if I wasn't a musician, you know. So for me, it's really, really ideal just being independent. It suits me. And, uh, yeah, it means that no corporation's making money out of me as well while I starve. So that's quite nice. Right, so you've, you've got so much on. You, the tours are coming up. You're recording. Give us a – describe a typical day for you working as an independent musician and to give people an idea that, that maybe aren't as familiar with really varies there's no such thing i have no routine i wish i did so yesterday i released a new single a new video online which is actually an old song but i'm doing this thing at the moment where i've re-recorded some old songs that i wanted my kind of new post post viral video audience to hear so i made videos and i'm and i've made a series of videos and i made it into an album and um so yesterday is a funny day because and the days leading up to it, because I spent ages preparing for that to get released. You know, I don't just put a video on, on YouTube, on Facebook, and uh, I just w wait for somebody to watch it. You know, I spend a long time making sure that everything's in place for most people, as many people to see it as I can make happen, you know. And um, so, you know, yesterday I had a video go viral and then was watching the comments come in and replying to some of those and stuff and finding out what people thought of the song. And that's really interesting to do. Uh, and, yeah, it's really like running a record label, basically. And today I've picked up my guitar for the first time in about a week, which is horrible <laughs> because I hate not playing. And I'm just doing some practice. Uh, so, yeah, today is kind of, you know, that... Um, the first 24 hours with a new video are really important. And then I can just, just keep a gentle eye on it and not really worry too much. And, um, yeah, so I've been able to pick up my guitar and do, I'm just 
doing some practice, playing some scales. Nice. Now, the, the track that you're referring to, of course, is, is Gloria, which is beautiful. Oh, and no, that, that's the, that was the one before. There's the one that went up yesterday is called The Weather Machine. Sorry, that's right, The Weather Machine. I was yeah, this, I'm releasing uh, quite a lot at the moment. Sorry, it's hard to keep up. No, it's cool. Uh, I, you, Gloria, the, the old track that, that you've, yeah, you've yeah, posted yeah. up again, yeah. really, really nice. I've got to say, a little bit country here and there. A little yeah, bit it's of, really I used to be in a country band. Oh, I didn't know that, right? Yeah, yeah. We have various names, but we were a working men's club band. Right. Because I'm a professional musician mm -hmm. all my life, so I've done all kinds of gigs. And I, I was in a band with a wonderful, wonderful man who played keyboards and some guitar harmonica and set and sings. And um, he's pretty much retired now, but he's one of those guys who he just can't stop gigging. So he's always just playing. He's moved to the coast and lives in a caravan, right? But he still cannot stop playing like little pub gigs wherever he can find them and stuff. And for money, he, will, he won't play for free. You know, every time he's getting paid because he's a working man, you know? So yeah, he taught me a lot about being a musician really. And um, he's probably played more gigs than anybody else I've ever met. And we played, um, yeah, working men's clubs for line dancing. You know, remember when line dancing was popular? Yeah, yeah. And everybody was line dancing to keep fit. So we played gigs in working men's clubs for line dancing. So we'd play half an hour. Then there'd be a break for about 20 minutes while they played bingo. And then we'd play for another half an hour. Then there'd be some more bingo. And then we'd play another kind of 45 minutes. So there were long gigs, you know. And uh, some of the music that we played was awful. And some of it was great. So there was some kind of country pop. Like, I can't remember any of the people's names now. It's really bad. I can't remember any of the songs that we used to play, even though I've played them hundreds of times. Do you, do, was there, do you, do you ever uh, manage to cover Shania Twain at all during the Workman's Club's days? We think we had to, yeah, really. There were certain ones that... I think we, we did that song, Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Yep. But basically, it was just really funny. So Colin would sing it, and then me with my beard six feet something tall, like that, I'd just go, I feel like a woman, like, you know, really low. We were, we were really funny, you know. So, yeah, I know a lot about country music as a result of being in that band. So Gloria is a country a country song. Yeah, it's no brilliant. doubt about it. It's so, so good. I really enjoyed watching it. Just one final thing on the Workman's Club back in the day, all the little... You've got to give me a... Is there any stories that spring to mind through back in the day playing in small pubs and clubs up and down the country and uh, obviously cutting your teeth? Is there any, any spring to mind at all? Oh, from those gigs with, with Colin, my friend Colin doing the Working Men's Clubs. Um, okay, one of my favourite things, this is not a very working men's club story but it kind of gives you a flavor of it i mean we'd be playing in tiny little village villages so we could drive to like we, we knew that the venue was in upper Rams, ramsbottom so it's upper ramsbottom um labor club or whatever and we get to lower ramsbottom but we couldn't find upper ramsbottom two tiny villages right we couldn't find it so we go to the post office in lower ramsbottom and we know that we're about three miles away from where we're trying to get to and we go to the post office and say, oh, do you know where, how we get to Upper Ramsbottom? And she'd say, oh, I've heard of it. I've heard of it, but I've, I'm, I don't think I've ever been there. I don't think I know anybody who's ever been there. I, you know, people never leave these little bit, like old mining town satellite villages and stuff. It's really, it gets a bit deliverance sometimes. But like Colin didn't think that Colin was a very good name to be in like a, 
a rocking country band. So he changed his name on the poster. He's always just called Cole, just C-O-L. <laughs> Cole Russell, right? And it would happen a few times that at the end of the night, the the co- committee chairperson would come backstage to pay us the money out of the uh, you know out of the safe in the committee room, and I'd, if I'd be backstage on my own, they'd come back and they go, "Oh, is the colonel here? Is the colonel here?" Because on the poster it says Cole Russell, and they thought he was a he was the colonel, you know. <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> so I just have to go and get the colonel. Oh. But yeah, working men's clubs gigs were just tremendous. Um, so yeah, it's. It was mostly playing to people of retirement age playing bingo, and they'd get up very slowly and gently line dance. Some of them, you know. Bingo. Oh, great stuff! So, um, we spoke about you being independent. You've been doing this for for so long, and, and just tremendous success. And obviously, you've been you've been born at the right time because obviously, the internet age is really really suiting you. Uh, but what advice um, or tips would you offer to upcoming? Uh, musicians in general, John. Loaded question, I know, but just from your experience, what would you? Is there anything that springs to mind? Yeah. Uh, so, in terms of the kind of internet stuff, there's an unwritten rule which is which everyone, not everyone, a lot of people follow, um, because there's so many things on the internet where you can be. So there's Facebook, you know, Twitter, MySpace, Tumblr, WhatsApp. Uh, Spotify, everywhere that you can exist on on the internet. And the unwritten rule is just be everywhere. Just put everything everywhere because you never know what might happen. That's Basically, that's one step away from the other possible marketing campaign, which is do nothing. It's, it's as almost as stupid as that. So this is the mistake that so many people make. They just sling their stuff everywhere in the hope that some of it might stick to somebody somehow and it doesn't work you need if you don't know anything about how to use the internet for marketing then go and learn go and find out because not having a strategy of any kind is the only mistake that people make but about 99 percent of people do make that mistake um but the other in terms of actually making music um i always want people to have the broadest range of influences they can have and then crystallize that down into what what they do. Because a lot of people don't have a very original voice. And it's a, again, it's a similar thing. The, the easiest way to have a completely original voice is to never have heard any music. If you've never heard any music, literally, like you've never heard a musical note and you pick up a guitar, the likelihood is you're going to do something in, original and interesting. It's quite possible. But nobody, that person doesn't exist. Everybody's heard music. So then the other problem is, if you've only heard a small amount of music, then you're going to sound like that. You are what you eat as a musician. Um, so if you want to have an original voice, the best way to do that is to search far and wide for influences that you find inspiring and bring those, intentionally bring them into music, steal stuff from, from those those places. And that's how you come up with know your own voice um i think not enough people do that a lot everyone says they do every musician says oh i listen to such a variety of music but from the way they play it doesn't necessarily always sound (laughs) sound like they do you know but um yeah so that's the the biggest piece of advice i would give 
Very interesting indeed. Really, really cool. Right, okay, talking to John Gollum on the Talk Music Podcast and, and learning a lot. We spoke about a certain individual that uh, we, we we both now feel is overrated, but who is... Un- <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really easy, man. <laughs> really, really- tell me a favorite. Tell me your favourite food. What religion are you? Maybe I can com- change that as well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Listen, I don't want to ask quick. Before you know it, I'm going to be convinced to be uh, to, to becoming a woman or something like that. The way John Gorm yeah, just... Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, who, who is, uh, who's underrated, John? Who do we think? Oh, there's so many people who, who don't get the... Like, King's X are an amazing example. They're a really underrated, amazing band. Um... But yeah, there's there's so many musicians that I know who are just incredible who've never had like a massive exposure or anything. Um, but yeah, underrated's a funny word though, because really, what I guess what it means is people who people think are crap, but actually they're good. That's harder to think of. That's actually really hard, you know, because a lot of the people that people think are crap, I most mostly agree, but not. Come back to me with that question. I'll try. I'll try and think of somebody who most people think is rubbish, who I actually really love. There must be somebody. Man, it's a really difficult one. I'm going to rephrase that. Then give us uh, some musicians that a lot of people haven't heard of that they should go away and listen to. I could go on for hours. So um, I'll tell you some guitarists that people might like to start with. So um, Thomas Lieb. He's not so famous. He's from Austria. So it's uh, Lieb is L. Double E B, and he's an instrumental contemporary guitarist, and he plays. Um, you can kind of start yourself off listening to his covers. He plays about four different Bob Marley tunes, um, just as instrumental acoustic guitar pieces, and they're incredible. Really, really amazing, beautiful arrangements. Really complex and and interesting, and really, really fun to listen to and fun to watch him play as well. Um, there's Preston Reed, who I mentioned earlier, who's, who's not such a big name. Uh, recently I did, I'm doing a gig in September with Antoine Dufour. Yes. From, oh, you know him already. Yeah, he's been so on he's, here. Oh, has he? Aye. Awesome. So yeah, he's, we're doing a gig together in September in, in Leeds and he's a absolutely extraordinary guitar player with a completely different approach to music than what I have. Me and Antoine will sit and argue about music. Really, we, we have absolutely... He loves Coldplay. I can't get my head around that. I don't know how anybody can love Coldplay. He loves them. He doesn't like them. You know, most people who listen to Coldplay, they kind of like Coldplay. And you think it's a band that... Does anybody actually love this band? But he absolutely loves Coldplay. Do you know what we have to do, John? Sorry to cut you off, but what we have to do is get you and Antoine on the same podcast, just arguing for hours. That would be that would go viral. It would, it would maybe it would, yeah. Honestly, we would we would really get stuck in. He hates the blues, he hates jazz, and he hates blues. I cannot get my head around it. But it's funny. I, I was thinking about it and understanding kind of why, and it, because to him, to him, there's a purity in music. It's like notes almost exist as separate entities outside of human contact. So if he was a if he was a a sculptor, he'd be Anish Kapoor. I don't know if you know who that is, but a famous British Asian sculpture sculptor, and he creates sculptures that look like they just existed without human interference. His most famous one is in Chicago. It's this huge chrome refl- mirror finished blob. It's amazing, 
I've seen it in real life and it's absolutely beautiful and stunning, but it doesn't look like a human being could have made that. It's too perfect and amazing. Well, some of his sculptures are like rocks, but brightly colored rocks. But again, they don't look like they've been made. When Antoine's like that, he, he likes music that he just likes the notes themselves. He doesn't care what Coldplay songs are about. He just likes the, the aesthetic beauty of it. Whereas I want to hear the human being sweating and toiling over creating the notes. So when I see a, a sculpture, a sculptor, I'd rather it was somebody where you can see the marks that they've made into the, into the clay, or you can see what they're trying to represent. You can see what emotion they're trying to convey, what story they're trying to tell. It's not just a perfect, beautiful object. It's got a reason for existing and it's, it's imperfect. So yeah, that's the reason why he likes Coldplay and I like Booker White, you know, <laughs> that's the difference. Right, excellent. Under, what about uh, Ben Lacey? You familiar with him, the guitar player? Uh, yeah, I forgot who he was then. Yeah, I don't know him at all, really. I think we might have exchanged a Facebook message here and there or something. I don't know much about him either. I've just seen his videos that he sometimes posts on Facebook where it's just you know, he looks like he's holding the camera. I don't know. Or he's got a head camera or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and, um, yeah, he often is playing, like, he's basically playing jazz, but it's this kind of slap bass style stuff. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. What do you think of it? Oh, I love it. I thought it was really, really good. He's, um, the, the Michael Jackson one is just great. I think what it was, song? What was he did? It was Thriller. He put up the other day. Okay. Um, but he's uh, exclusive for everyone. He's coming on this as well, so that'll be really, really cool. I can't wait to talk yeah. to him too. Listen to an album or anything, I should do that. I assume he's got albums out. I don't know, but I, I should listen to it. Yeah, I, I really like it. it. There's somebody else I would recommend that you check out if you like um, that kind of approach to this kind of really f almost funk-based mm -hmm. fingerstyle jazz elements to it as well, who's a huge, huge hero of mine, is Charlie Hunter. Have you ever heard of right, that Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he plays eight-string guitar and he plays the bass parts and the kind of chords and the solos and stuff all at the same time and he's just extraordinary musician he does a uh he does a little nirvana medley sometimes mm -hmm. but it's jazz but he's really it's not that sounds terrible it sounds like it's going to be really cheesy but it's not at all you know yeah so uh there's also turk andres you ever have you ever listened no, to no, that guy no. so he does a uh a bunch of covers. He does like Man in the Mirror. It's a, it's a Michael Jackson one that he does, and he's a, like a jazz fingerstyle player. So what in jazz in the jazz world is called uh, chord melody guitar, where you play the chords and the melody at the same time. But Tuck Andress puts in bass lines and like little slaps and pops and stuff, and he's really really awesome. So yeah, I recommend him too. Right, excellent. And lastly, just for expanding my knowledge, um, okay, who else is overrated? <laughs> Do we think? <laughs> uh, okay. Who else is overrated? It's really this. Oh, there's people who've become overrated over the years, you know. But I, I don't know. That, that's a, that's a tr that's a tricky one. There's there's not many guitarists that, that I vehemently say that I dislike so much that I would actually go on record and say it. The rest <laughs> of it say it's more of a because they don't offend me. There's 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 loads of guitar players and, and musicians that I I don't really right but you know what there's so many overrated musicians just who sell a lot of music and, and they're actually they're actually rubbish so everybody's got their own opinions on what they are and it's funny that's kind of come back around at the moment there's 
there's a lot of you kind of Nicki Minaj and Kanye West, those kinds of people around at the moment who just, they want to be as big as they can be in terms of just the number of units they can sell and they'll do anything to achieve that. And it, it's horrific because it's just so like anti what the point of music is for me. They just use it to make themselves more famous and it's just grim. It's so grim. <laughs> it, it, it used to be like, it makes me hanker for the days of when I was a little kid, like being appalled by Kylie Minogue, you know, like but at least she was just this Australian girl singing awful pop songs. She wasn't trying to elevate herself to some kind of godlike level of look how wonderful I am. She's just a fairly normal person, <laughs> you know? So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's very weird how it's almost like Michael Jackson, rather than being a lesson to us all that nobody should become like that. Nobody should become this superstar where you're somehow better, somehow a, a greater human. You're almost like an alien being where you're, you're so perfect and you look exactly how you want to look and you make music in this kind of incredibly egotistical way. Michael Jackson made some great music, but it was getting worse. I mean, I, I own his last album. Um, I can't remember what it's called even. What's it called? Un, 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 Invincible. Right. His last album, I think it's called. It's, and it's not good, you know. And, and he was getting towards there. But rather than that being a valuable lesson that we should never become like that, people like Kanye West see that as like a benchmark that right. he wants to achieve in life. You know, and it's just going to end in horror. He's just going to have a horrific death. You know, it's just going to be awful. You know, you cannot imagine that Kanye West is going to die in his sleep <laughs> at age 85, surrounded by grandchildren. He's <laughs> going to happen. Oh. I wish it would. I wish him a beautiful, happy death in the very distant future. But he's not. He's going to he's going to be the first man, the first non-astronaut in space. And he's going to die when the when the shuttle explodes and collapses and crash lands into Iceland and destroys the entire country or something. And he'll see, you know, that something horrific is going to happen. Oh, that's brilliant. So John Gom on the podcast. What have we learned today, ladies and gentlemen? I tell you what, Kurt Kamet, you're overrated, and Kanye West, you're going to die a horrible death. John Gom, <laughs> no, I'm not wishing a horrible death. I just think I just worry. I just worry. If, uh, we we both do. I mean, Nicki Minaj is going to die, and nobody's going to. When imagine if people are not going to know how old she was. Like, is she seventy? Is she forty-five? People are going to be examining a corpse. And they're going to have no idea how old she was when she died. It's going to be impossible to tell. It won't. There won't even be any human DNA left inside. <laughs> there won't. You know. Well, they may not even be able to establish her gender or her species. Who knows? Because she's just like she's like a a, black, a Japanese blow up doll. It's. I don't know what. What's she trying to achieve? What's she trying to achieve, Scott? I know. I don't. I, I really, really don't it, know. So, I, I don't know. I'm just. I, you know, every every time I talk to you, John, I just I start questioning everything. You know, I just. <laughs> I, but I, I tell you what, John, I think I've I've got an idea what you should start to do. I think you should maybe do two sets in the next tour. There should definitely be the guitar set and the stand up set. Yeah, that's got yeah. to happen. But, um, I suppose so, but I mean, it's <laughs> I I don't know. I, 
it, stand up is a easy easy to do if you're just talking crap to to somebody. But yeah, I've got friends who do stand up. I've always thought I could maybe give it a whirl, but then I, I talk to my friends and how hard it is. And uh, I don't think I could take the stress. It's hard enough having a guitar in your hands, but take that away and no music and you're just talking and you know you've, you've got to get the laughs even the most left field comedian they've still got to get the reaction from the audience or it's over and uh yeah it's really really scary but my friend um one of my old old friends is a stand-up comedian i'm from blackpool so i know loads of comedians and uh he, he always says that he'd write me a set if i ever wanted to do it he'd write me the whole set you know, in my, he'd say, don't worry, it'd be exactly as if you'd written it yourself because I know you well enough. You know, I've known him for 25 years. But, yeah, so maybe one day. Maybe one day, Scott. You never know, man. You never know. <laughs> I'll let you know first. You'll be the first to know. Yeah, well, I want a cut of the fee. You know, it's my idea, so I want a, I want a 15 seconds. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay. John, it's been an absolute pleasure. The tour's coming up. Very best of luck. And remember, you can go on to John do, com. excuse me, and you can yeah. buy the album, pick your price, and single. Brilliant. John, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> John Gom, thank you very much. The man, the myth, the legend joining me there on the podcast. September 10th is the first date of the tour for John. He's in Leeds. Uh, then he's in London on September 12th. 13th, still in London at the Conference Centre, the Olympia Conference Centre in Kensington. Uh, and the 16th, uh, excuse me, on the 20th of September, one more time, from the 18th to the 20th, it's when you get to my age, you make these kind of mistakes. He's at the Guitar Weekend with Don Ross. That is an absolute treat. And Canada, he's from Canada right through until the 27th of September, then back in the UK from October 15th through to the 27th. All the dates that I'm referring to are, of course, on johngom.com. I got it right that time. Keep checking out the podcast, scottcowie.com. Check out my SoundCloud, add me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the lot. As John Gom says, you've got to spread your name in all these different social media sites, and I do my very best to do that. Thank you very much for supporting this podcast. Of course, try and get the iTunes app so you can get this thing for free each and every Thursday slash Friday whenever we manage to get it up a little bit later this week but hey ho next week I think Tanya Callahan's is going to join me on the co-host spot and we've got a very good guest coming up it's going to be a good one for that and we will see you guys next week